0: Hey friends, thank you for tuning in to, I believe this is the 8th episode of my podcast now, and my guest today is Cody Williams. So if you don't know who Cody is, he is actually a good friend of mine who I grew up snowboarding with in London, Ontario, and he went on to become a pro snowboarder, and he lived in California for a long time where he filmed and competed and kind of took his career to the next level. And... More recently, he actually hit his head really, really hard and was in a coma and had a really severe uh, TBI, so traumatic brain injury, and over the last couple years, he's had a long recovery, but he's managed to bounce back, and as far as I can tell, he's almost back to normal, and it's a pretty amazing feat because his doctors and everyone he was dealing with gave him a really small chance of even surviving all of that, so... I basically invited him for a little bit of a Skype call, and I just kind of asked him for the details of his story, and yeah, so we went from there, and hopefully you enjoyed this episode. If you are liking the podcast so far, you can subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud or Google Play, and you can kind of keep up to date with some of the other stuff I have going on because I am going to be releasing a lot of different resources on my website shortly. Cool. So, um, yeah, sometimes this trips me out when I'm like literally just talking to buddies because I already basically know you super well. So it kind of feels like I almost am acting a bit when I'm like trying to get the ball rolling in the podcast. So if I like have to act a little bit strange, don't even, don't even mind me. Like I'm just trying to kind of guide the conversation so that we can like get to the right questions. Oh yeah, no worries. But I like to have a more natural feel to it once it gets going. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, I'm super pumped that we could do an episode because realistically, most of the people that I get to chat with, like, I love having conversations with the new people, too. But you and I kind of got obsessed with snowboarding together like a long time ago, like ages ago. Yeah, a very um, long time ago. Yeah. So it's neat to be able to dive into really cool conversations about something that was a huge thing for me and obviously a huge thing for you. And then um, you have a lot of different things to talk about in that category, in that area. So it just, it's fun, you know, it's something that actually like is a lot more connected to me. So in that way, it's pretty cool. But uh, um, I'm just going to kind of introduce you from my perspective. So when I was younger, like I basically started skiing and I lived around the corner from Boulder Mountain in London. And I just saw older kids snowboarding and decided that I would change over to snowboarding. And then I basically started living at the ski hill. I was there probably six, almost literally seven days a week while I was right. playing other sports too. It was almost insane. Um, and like, I wasn't the only guy doing that. We had a really awesome network of, of friends who were just obsessed with it. And we were all really fortunate to have... Boulder Mountain's a really small, really non-recognized ski hill for the most part, but what it has going for it is that it's a, it's a hill right in the middle of the city, so kids like you and me, we always had the opportunity to basically grow up just going there every single day, and there aren't even many places that that's possible, you know? There's, like, very few ski hills where kids can live at home and still be able to just go to a ski hill for just a few hours and then go home yeah
1: bowler definitely made like huge
0: friendships for everybody yeah it's pretty wild i mean a lot pretty much all my best friends in one way or another came from snowboarding and it was like you guys and jeff and eric and andy and like the list goes on and on and fellner and everybody but um Like, in a little hill like London, it's crazy that so many good snowboarders came out of it. In the big picture of snowboarding in the world of sports, like, I would say most of us basically were successful snowboarders. Like, a lot of us had sponsors and did well in contests and filmed video parts. And then, for the most part, that was as good as it got because everyone kind of hits an age where you know, they realize other interests or things that they want in different ways. And then what you did is you basically just kept going with it. And um, you were a little younger than the rest of us too. So pretty much I would say there was a point where all of us were progressing at a pretty similar rate. But you had what you had going for you is that you were still four or five years younger. So you had so much time to just keep getting really good. And you ended up doing super well Um, And you ended up moving out to Bear Mountain in California. And from there, uh, obviously, you got in on some pretty big videos like Sunday in the Park. Um, Like, realistically, most people who snowboard a lot are going to know a lot of these details already. But I would say 90% of the people who who listen to the podcast aren't really big snowboarders. So um, I'm just kind of dumbing it down in that way. But yeah, so you and I go way back and we're still really good friends today. And then to get onto your head injury story, I remember basically Jeff sent me a message two years ago in December and um, and I literally was, saw what you were up to on Instagram and stuff and I kind of knew you were out filming and taking advantage of like a snowstorm that was hitting Vancouver and <clears throat> yeah, and he just sent me a message one day and he was like, did you, did you hear about Cody yet? And then I just started, my phone just started turning into like a Twitter feed of like messages and like group chats and stuff. And what happened was you basically had a really severe brain injury and you were in a coma. So, um, yeah, obviously something super serious. And, um, with where you were at in snowboarding, you were for all intensive purposes, um, You were essentially a pro snowboarder getting paid by Burton, filming lots. Actually, I don't know what your sponsorship situation was at that point. But regardless, um, that's pretty much what you were doing at the time. And yeah, and then that basically happened. And yeah, and then I'm just going to kind of go into the details about what I know about the head injury. And then I guess you can kind of take it from there, because what I'm really curious about is to hear your side of it. Um, Okay. Because I can't even really imagine what was going on in your head the whole time. Uh, So from what I know, you basically hit your head super hard, had severe brain trauma, had to have an operation on your brain. And you were there, you were in a coma for a long time. And the doctors gave you something like a 20% chance to even survive. And after that, they they gave you a really low chance of being able to recover in any kind of dramatic way. And the surgeon... Um, as your, your mom was telling me just the other day, cause coincidentally, I saw her at a wedding last night, but, um, she was telling me that the surgeon said that it was the hardest operation he's ever had to do. And from there, I just remember, I remember literally like had a group chat with Jeff and all the guys from Bowler and we were kind of giving each other little updates as we heard little nip, little snippets and whatnot. And Jeff lives in Vancouver. So he pretty much had more information than all of us. So he was kind of giving us all the details at the time. Um, So I remember kind of hearing about you waking up from the coma, having the video sent around, kind of seeing all that. And then seeing uh, videos of you kind of learning how to walk again, uh, like basically learning how to talk again, all different kinds of things like that. And for me, it really just reminded me of Crash Reel, the documentary with Kevin Pierce. Um, the pro snowboarder when he hit his head um, because he was essentially rivaling rivaling Sean White at the time and had a severe injury and he became a big advocate for that kind of thing so yeah as far as your head injury kind of story goes do you want to just kind of walk me through it from basically your perspective uh yeah
1: basically yeah Um, Vancouver got hit with a huge storm so we all Went from West down there, and we like just started filming and hitting like as many spots as we could in a day, because it's like so rare to get uh, snow like that in Vancouver. And um, we were down there for about two weeks, and um, I hit my head bad, like a day or two days, and then I fell and hit my head again, and that's um, the one that caused the, the comb and everything. Because okay. the first, yeah, the first head, head injury, it was, like, dumb on my part. Like, I probably had a concussion from that one. And then, like, the friends, like, they didn't, like, really want me to snowboard, like, the day after. So, they're kind of out of it. But, like, I don't know, I just, like, I was really into boarding and, just, like, trying to film, like, a full part. And then, um, yeah, I went down after hitting my head, and that's it dr mip the surgeon he thinks that made it as bad as it was
0: okay this that's interesting because um i'll let you keep going but when i interviewed max for my second or third episode he told me his wasn't like he did not end up in a coma with as much of a crazy recovery as you by no means but um his head injury was exactly like that it was like a sequence of concussions that just too many in a row and that kind of is what started all of his problems but uh oh yeah i'll let you keep going
1: yeah no so yeah uh dr mip he thought um he thinks that's why it was as bad as it was and then just like i don't i basically don't even remember like hitting the rail or anything Always I, I my last remember my last memory from that day was i picked up um My friend Evan Stum from the airport and then we drove to the spot and that's the last thing I remember from that until like I don't even really like basically remember waking up like it kind of was like awake one day with all these things like connected to me like in my body, tried to talk, was scared because I couldn't talk and like just my mom and my dad were like in the room just with me.
0: Yeah, okay, wow. So, you don't remember it at all? No, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember anything. Okay, that's crazy. That was one thing I was going to ask because, like, some people who have, who experience comas or go fall into a coma, they basically feel, I think it's called locked in syndrome, where they can see everything around them, but they're just like locked in their body. And I was always wondering whether you had that or not.
1: No, I didn't. Um, yeah, I couldn't, like, yeah, I don't remember anything, and I guess, like, I, like, have some, like, crazy dreams, and, like, start blaming my nurses on, like, taking things from me, and I was just, like, mad at them, and they were, like, there's no way that ever happened, like, I thought I left the hospital and some of my dreams with, like, nurses and doctors, and, like, there's no way you went anywhere, you've been, like, strapped down to this bed, so that was funny, but, um, yeah, it's just, like, weird little things, like, and even, like, now I get these, like, if I, like, go past a place, I have, like, the craziest deja vu. Like, it feels like I'm there again. I'm just, like, an old memory.
0: hmm
1: It's, like, I don't know. It's, like, hard to explain. It's, like, really weird. But, like, sometimes I'll just be, like, like, with Dawn, like, with my girlfriend. And, like, we'll be, like, going past a place and I'll be, like, whoa. I just had, like, the memory, like, but feeling like I was actually there in the time when it happened.
0: Okay. Interesting. These are all places that you've already been, or places you've never been. Also. No
1: places I have been, like. Okay. Yeah, it's D- like really weird. Like I just like
0: the memories like hits, and it feels like I'm in the memory. It's crazy. That's wild. Yeah, like I'm sure I can't even comprehend what you mean by that, but. Yeah, it's really hard to explain. What is it? What's your memory like for old? For things that happened like a long time ago, or things that happened like before your injury
1: um my long-term memory is like fine but like I've lost like even like memory from like basically like two months from before I even hit my head
0: oh wow yeah you don't remember anything during that whole period in time
1: yeah it's like I don't remember like a lot of like even the beginning of winter before um before Vancouver got that snowstorm and we went down there
0: yeah That's insane. Interesting. Yeah, I've always wondered about that. Because, I mean, realistically, I don't, I don't know much about brain injuries. And I think very few people do. I think even that even doctors, it's kind of a new thing that we're still trying to understand. And it just seems like everyone gets, everyone experiences those severe brain traumas in a completely different way. And I honestly like I never knew what to expect when you started your recovery because I was kind of telling people I was like yeah one of my buddies was in a coma because he hit his head and nobody really knows what's going on he's in the hospital right now it's kind of just a waiting game to see if he can bounce back and I heard a lot of different kinds of stories about similar brain injuries and the thing that I find so amazing is that every single story I ever heard and I've like ended up looking up a lot of stuff during that time too. Um, people, people are almost never, ever the same. And I mean that in like a mini or like a small way. I mean like their physical movements, like they can't be coordinated. They, they like have um physical limitations where they can't control their arm in the same way, or maybe their legs in the same way. Or for, I know for you, the prediction was that it was going to be your whole left side that might not recover the same way as far as your motor skills again yeah and but you are like i know you probably have things that you're still dealing with because obviously it's a really probably it's a huge injury that it's gonna be something you deal with for a long time in in little ways but um like you're the same kind of you're the same cody that we all kind of used to know and it's pretty amazing i mean what Did the doctors give you, like, are they, they must be amazed by your recovery.
1: Yeah, they are. Um, Last summer when Dom and I went back to, uh, we spent time up in Whistler and like went to Vancouver to uh, the hospital just so I could go see all my doctors and like nurses and everything. And they were all like, like shocked. Like some of my nurses were like crying to see me in there alone, walking around, being able to like talk and give them hugs
0: hmm yeah that's yeah, wild.
1: wild yeah for like right now it's like the biggest thing like the left side of my body like I still do feel like it's just like a lot weaker I'd say and um, I kind of have like I think it's just like nerve damage but a lot of the like I don't have too much feeling in my left side like it just like doesn't hurt like I got a tattoo on my arm on my left arm and it's, like The tattoo girl was like, are you okay? Do you need a break? And I was like, no, like, I'm 100% fine. I can barely feel it. Wow. Yeah, and then my friend Lenny, ever since I told him, he likes to see how far it can go. And he is crazy because it's Lenny. And, um, yeah, he actually hit me in the leg with a bat. No. And I didn't, like, flinch or do anything. And he was, like, so amazed. He's like, he's like, that didn't hurt. Like, you're just okay right now? And I was like, yeah, man. I, like, I didn't really feel
0: that. That's insane, man. Wow. Yeah, it, sounds like, like, it sounds like nerve damage. I mean, I'm yeah. not an expert. But um, yeah. on a really small scale, my left shin, after I had my knee surgery, it's, like, it's a common thing with, with ACL or knee surgery that you lose your feeling in your, your left shin. And sometimes it comes back, sometimes it doesn't. And I have a spot on my left shin where I can just like I can't feel anything, and it's really strange. But uh, you just get used to it, you know. So I guess you feel that kind of thing probably on your whole left side.
1: Yeah, it's basically yeah. It's mostly in uh, it's mostly my leg, I'd say, but like little less, little yeah, little less in my arm,
0: but a lot in my legs. In my wow. Okay, that's interesting. I never knew that. This is cool. This is interesting because like I've <laughs> seen you a bunch since you've been back, but I've we haven't really talked about this kind of thing at all. Yeah, no. Um so what was it like basically sitting waking up in a bed, barely like unable to form sentences and unable to walk? Like, was your mind basically completely there? Like was it were you completely aware of understanding people speaking to you and seeing the things around you? um, Or did that kind of come with time also?
1: Uh, No, that definitely kind of came with time. Like I could like understand like what the doctors were saying
0: and like my parents, but I'd
1: get mad because I would try to talk back, but I couldn't talk. So then they try to just give me like pen and paper so I could write, but then I couldn't even write. So then it's mostly just like pointing at things and like kind of sign language. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, no. Took me a long time to learn how to talk and uh, write again.
0: So did that kind of just come back slowly or did you have to be taught it literally through lessons or through classes or something?
1: Kind of through like classes. Like, you know, like when you're like a little kid, and it's like kind of like the connect the dots to make a letter.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like I had to like do all that again wow that's insane yeah that took a long time and then walking walking took like yeah quite a bit of time just because like first actually well no it's like first I just like had had to learn how to stand again
0: which was hard yeah that's crazy I remember seeing videos of you like standing with a walker yeah I think it was I think it might have been for the first time
1: yeah, that one, yeah, the one on video, that is the first time I
0: stood up. Okay. Like, what What was that like? Was that a scary feeling going through that process? Or were you just kind of accepting where you were at? Or were you just in a mindset where you're like, I'm going to I'm gonna get back to normal, and I'm just going to do it and make sure that it happens? Like, I can just, I can't really imagine what kind of state of mind you would have in that scary of a situation, you know?
1: Yeah, it's like, all you do is, like, like, just so many positive thoughts and just keep telling yourself, like, that you can do it. Like, every day I was, like, I was trying to stand, like, just try to get myself, like, a little bit higher up. But, like, in that video, it's, like, I basically stand, but then I'm so tired from just standing for the first time. I, like, have to sit right back down because I'm so tired.
0: Mm-hmm. That's crazy, man. Um, <clears throat> how long, uh, so how long exactly were you in the coma for?
1: Did it come up for just over a month and a
0: half just over a month and or a half no. okay just that's... under a month and a half okay that's even longer than i remembered to be honest but um yeah that's crazy and then your recovery was probably 3 or 4 months after that or i mean it was way longer than that but when did you actually so you were in the hospital for probably another 5 months or so before you flew back to london
1: um I was in the hospital for, I can't even remember how long I was actually in the hospital. But from Vancouver General Hospital, I went from there to Parkwood, um, or not Parkwood, um, GF Strong, GF Strong, Mm -hmm. in Vancouver, and I was an inpatient for rehab there. I also just did um, more like, kind of everyday stuff. Like, had to be tested to see if I could like make food. Like cook, clean, get my stuff myself together for like a day. Mm-hmm. More Just, exercises and stuff like.
0: Yeah. So basically, that's the stage where you're trying to get your own independence back. Yeah. Yeah. How long did that take? Um,
1: I was in there. I was in there for I want to say almost three months, two months maybe. Because at first, when I was in there, I was a full inpatient slept there and everything, and then um, while I was there, my parents, they were like, at their place in Vancouver, so then they let me um, be outpatient, and I could go sleep um, at their place, but then I'd have to go back in the morning.
0: Hmm. Okay, interesting. So, obviously, that was a really long process, and you obviously, I'm assuming that you didn't really know what, kind of state you were going to be in by the time you actually were out of the hospital living back at your parents place so what was your motivation to kind of recover were you was your mindset basically I need to get back to snowboarding again was that your driving force or do you think that you at that point it was just something even bigger than that where you're like I just need to get back to being myself I want to be able to walk and and talk and you know be completely independent like myself again
1: that was definitely like a big thing but like I just, like, I wanted to go board, like, I wanted to snowboard so bad, like, being in, like, Vancouver, and, like, there's, like, looking at, like, my hospital window and stuff, and, like, seeing snow, and, like, seeing the mountains and stuff. Yeah, seeing the mountains, and then, like, there, uh, my family and I and a family friend, we went to, um, we just went to the top of Gross Didn't snowboard or anything, but we just went up there, and, like, they just took me up there so I could, like, be on the mountain, but, like, not snowboarding. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like. Going up there made me want to snowboard like even more.
0: For sure. So you knew, yeah, you kind of knew the whole time. That was that was your goal. Yeah. It's interesting, man, because there's one thing I've been really listening to Conor McGregor content a lot lately, and it's not because I'm a fan of MMA or anything really, but Conor McGregor's a dude who he's just so self-aware, and he really like does a lot of work to like train his mindset to be so confident and To kind of maintain that confidence as he's going into fights and stuff. And one thing he talks about so often that I've never really heard it verbalized before. But he says all the time that look at anyone who's at the pinnacle of any sport or activity. And he's like, you might not realize it, but that person is almost insane to their craft. Like, they're literally like, it's almost insane. insanity how obsessed they are with what they're doing and there's a very few people who can understand that but once you've experienced that obsession like you'll never be the same person again in whatever other thing you do in the rest of your life and I just keep thinking about that because that reminds me of how obsessed I was with snowboarding at that age and obviously when you're sitting in a hospital bed learning how to walk again and you're already dreaming about snowboarding like that's exactly what you were going through you know like that pure really really deep like obsession with a certain activity and it's a really neat thing that to be able to experience that kind of thing but yeah in your case it's pretty amazing that you actually get to go back to it from from my perspective um I remember when you were in the coma still and I don't know if you've ever heard this from I'm sure you probably have but it was amazing to me how many people weren't aware of how severe the situation was. And obviously, myself and everyone else included were, we were all like praying for the best. We wanted, we wanted you obviously to, to get back to normal because that's a horrible thing. If, if, um, if you had, you know, passed away when you were in the coma or something, that would have been traumatic for everybody and your family. And it would have been a really sad thing. So it doesn't mean, I think a lot of people might have interpreted the way that certain people were looking at your injury as if they're negative thinkers. But I think like I was just trying to be aware of how bad it could come out because there were so many people who were like, Oh, this is going to be so funny in like a week when Cody wakes up and he's like back in London, like drinking beers with us or something. And I was like, you guys don't get it. That's like not how the process is going to happen. You know, this is like a really serious injury and he is, is sitting there, and they don't know if he's going to even live, you know? Like, did you have anyone? I'm sure you've had a lot of people who talk to you as if they don't really realize that you almost died.
1: Yeah, like, a lot of people definitely don't, like, understand, like, how bad this situation actually was. And, like, even, like, when I go out downtown here stuff with, like, friends, my mom is, like, her biggest fear is, like, always, like, nobody would ever know, like, knew what you've been through because she's just like downtown's like so crazy now and like just things can go wrong but yeah they're like my mom's like nobody would know what you've gone through unless they could see the scar on your head
0: yeah it's true man and she was I was having a pretty good conversation with your mom a couple nights ago at that wedding and that was a pretty common topic was was you know her her worry and concern about it yeah
1: um but yeah, also, like, being in Vancouver for the injury I had was probably the best place I think I could have been. Dr. Miff, like, now I feel bad I haven't actually talked to Dr. Miff in a while, but for a while we were in contact um, pretty frequently. I'm pretty, I think uh, him and my mom still talk, but um, he's the one who actually invented the the surgery I had, the brain bolt. Okay. Yeah, I forget where he we went to school. He moved away to just study this thing, and he came back and like perfected it. And now it's used um, like all over the world, the surgery he invented. Wow. Yeah, the skier I've met just through my head injury. Because I think she was one of the first people ever to have the surgery. Um, and her name is Jamie Mousey. And she, she actually fell in Whistler at the talus... Tell us Fest, yeah. And, um yeah, we had the same doctor, Mip, and she came and saw me when I was in the hospital, and she was, like, amazed to see how well I was doing because she saw me when I was already woken up. And um, she was only in the com- coma for 11 days, just, like, losing her mind to see how well I was already doing. hmm And, so- um, yeah, we stay in touch, and I actually went out to Utah and filmed... A little segment with her for um i've linked up with called high fives foundation they're out of uh, tahoe and they um yeah. help like injured athletes and stuff so yeah i filmed a little segment with her called helmets are cool just promoting helmets
0: okay that's amazing so what was her recovery like is she in pretty good shape these days uh yeah she is yeah she's in
1: uh good shape these days um she does a lot of stuff with Brit. She has a talk show as well, and um, she kind of like travels around a lot. And she's like a huge speaker for brain injuries. She that's like why she was in um Vancouver when she was in Vancouver's for her to talk at a hospital, and she heard about my injury while she was there,
0: and came and saw me in my uh my room. Wow, that's uh. That's pretty wild. That's a good opportunity for you, though, to get involved in being able to kind of talk about your your uh, experience and kind of get the awareness out there.
1: Yeah, it is for sure. The mm-hmm. little video we made called Helmets Are Cool." I think it's coming out like near the yeah near the end of the month for sure, near the end of October. And um, yeah, it's just talking about how it's like not stupid or you don't look stupid to wear a helmet such so like, you don't think anything wrong is going to happen until it
0: does happen it's true man and I mean <clears throat> well being somebody who lives in Ontario and rides in Ontario for the most part I don't really have a problem with that because you have to wear a helmet to be allowed in every park yeah but, exactly like when I was out west I wasn't really wearing a helmet too much and um yeah, and I mean, I think it was a your injury was a wake up call to a lot of people. It really was because, you know, the whole industry saw it, and your the GoFundMe for um, raising funds for your recovery, um, all of that. That stuff was posted everywhere. Pro, like the big names that everyone everyone knows and recognizes in the sport were sharing it. Um, all the magazines and stuff, and um, yeah, I think it was like those injuries happen a lot more in this sport than anyone ever realizes. It's kind of almost like a secret unspoken dark side of, of snowboarding and skiing that is just kind of swept under the rug really often. Yeah. yeah but it's, uh,
1: like, it's like the concussion thing, like is definitely crazy. Like when I went back to bear last winter and snowboarded for my first time again, um, I actually fell there. And got another concussion, so I was off my board for a little while again after that.
0: Is that. That was uh, since your injury, eh? So that was last winter.
1: Yeah, that was since my injury.
0: Yeah. Have you had many? Um, so I wanted to ask you about this as well. I was just going to ask you if you've had any kind of ongoing, very obvious symptoms. And I was talking to Dom on Friday, and she was telling me that about kind of your experience with your grandma um seizure yes where your whole left side of your body was in a seizure is that right
1: the grandma um when i have that seizure it's like full blackout like and my whole body's kind of going yeah um yeah and i've had a few of those and like those are, like the worst ones you can have um you have to go and then yeah you have to go eight months free to be able to drive again and I was almost just about there, and then I had another seizure, seizure, so that set me back.
0: Oh man, so, how long ago was that? Now
1: that was in um June. It was actually it was at work. Um, we're in the work truck driving to a job site, and I could feel it coming on. But um, the guy I was working with, he was new, so I couldn't like I could feel the seizure coming on. And it wasn't a grand mal. It's so, like I've had some now, like. I can tell when they're coming because the left side of my face will start to twitch out or my hand will start to shake. I feel like really like light in my chest. So mm-hmm. like I know I'm about to have a seizure and I can like warn them.
0: Mm-hmm. Is, it, is it only ever on your left
1: side? Um, It always starts on the left side. Like, I, like if I'm about to have a seizure, like my lip, like corner of my cheek will kind of start like switching out and then my hand will start to shake and it just gets more intense and faster and then like it fully just comes
0: on. Wow. How long do they usually last when you're experiencing them?
1: Um, I'd say probably about well the grand malls, they're different, but these more mellow ones I've been having lately they're probably like a minute or two.
0: Yeah. So this is one thing Dom mentioned that might be a good thing to, to, to ask you about. And it's kind of an interesting time to bring it up, too, since marijuana was just made legal in Canada like four days ago. So I know I've literally seen videos about this for a couple of years, um, like on Vice in different places where people are talking about how CBD oil is basically solving. Like they don't have seizures anymore because of the fact that they're taking it on a regular basis yeah, um, no. and not necessarily even on a regular basis, but it it's doing huge things for them in that way. And for me, it just kind of seems like it's like, wow, that's awesome that it can do that for someone. But that's something that I'd never have to think about, but it's interesting to hear that you like, what is your take on that? Have you, are you experimenting with that or have you kind of been reading into it or anything like that?
1: Um. I have been experimenting um, with it, and um, there's a girl I've talked to before. I think she's from Tahoe, maybe. And um, all she da- all she uses now is CBD. She's fully off her meds and just uses CBD because she hasn't had a seizure. And um, when I was just in California last for hot dogs, my friend Daniel, um, he like works for a CBD company now. He just like gave. Dom and I, like, just, like, a bag of, like, everything, like, a CBD, CBD pen that you can, like, smoke, and, like, this other, like, liquid that you can put into your drink, and just, like, a, he gave us a joint, which is really weird, because it was a CBD joint, so, like, you smoke the whole thing, and you don't get high, but you just, you, like, feel good, like, I don't know,
0: mm-hmm. it's,
1: it's weird, what? like, it helps with headaches, for sure, I think.
0: Yeah. Cause it's like a bodily effect, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's so interesting how that can work and how like your human, the human body has like cannabinoid receptors all over it. So it's like, how does the human body evolve that thing unless it was meant to, or people used to use it a lot back in like way long ago, you know? Mm-hmm. So she, as far as you go, do you have to take a lot of meds still?
1: Uh, yeah, um, the meds I'm on right now, I have to take twice a day, it's a total of five pills, I have to take two, um, every morning around nine, and then three at night in between, like, nine and ten, so those pills, um, yeah, they say I just might be on those forever, like, I might have to just take them for the rest of my life.
0: Mm-hmm. One thing that, uh... I saw you make a post about it a long time ago now. It might even have been like eight or eight or ten months, but um you were basically mentioning that, hey, like it it might look like I'm totally fine, but there's a lot of things that are still going on, like as leftover effects of my brain injury that a lot of people might not know. Um, and I'm, I don't know if you don't want to disclose those, you don't have to, but i'm I'm kind of curious if you wanted to kind of mention a few of the things that are kind of behind the scenes that a lot of people might not realize that you're going through
1: um a lot of that stuff now I'd say is like better now but like even when I first got back home it's like just like the memory is so bad like I'd be go like if I went out like when I first got home like I would never like I didn't drink alcohol and if people saw me out I was drinking non-alcoholic like I'd have non-alcoholic beer if I like went to a friend's house and um, just stuff like that but then I remember one one time I was like I think it was at Barney's and um, one of the security guards was like trying to like check me out because he thought I was like popping pills in the bar and I was like no man and I was like I have to take these pills like I need to take them right now like they're, they're a huge part of my life
0: yeah this is, like, how I survive right now.
1: Yeah, and, like, people are just, like... Yeah, like, for a little bit, people were, like... They thought I was actually, just like, taking pills, like, all the time. Just, like... Not even, like, medically. Just, like, they just thought I was popping pills all the time. Yeah. And I was, like, no, like, I need to take these.
0: Yeah, this is important. Those must... Like, are those people who knew that you had a head injury? Um,
1: sometimes it... Was and then sometimes it's just like other people you are just popping pills in here. I'm like, no, like I'm not. Like, I have to take these. But yeah. um, what was I just gonna say? Oh yeah, just like another big thing is like, all of like, the people I've known for like ever. It's like I'll see them like on like I know your name and everything. But then like people like I'll just like see in high school, and if like I'm out and I see them, they'll come up to me and they're, like it's, like I know their face. And, like I know I know them, but I just I don't know who it is at all. Yeah, Which you is can't. Weird. It's like, like, I know who it is, but I can't figure it out.
0: So maybe like those faint memories that aren't quite as solidified.
1: <clears throat> yeah, might have like,
0: might have left a bit. Yeah. Yeah,
1: like not anymore, but for like the long time, it was like I was still stuck, like in that year that happened. Like I would go out to the bar and they'd ask me how old I am on my ID, and I'd say twenty-three. And they're like, oh, that's not what your ID says. And then Dom would be like, code, you're 24. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it was my birthday. Huh. Just because like, I was still like in hospital,
0: or, like rehab.
1: Death.
0: That's crazy, man. So wait, you were in the rehab. Yeah, you were in that stage during your birthday. When is your birthday again?
1: Uh, February
0: 19th. Okay, yeah. So you would have been right in the thick of it. Yeah. And Do you like... find... Oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: Oh, no, just like... My friends from like, my friends Skylar and Lenny came down from California to see me for my birthday. And that was the first time I was allowed to, I think that was when I was just being able to eat food, like, because for the longest time I couldn't even drink water or food. I was like fed through my nose. Wow. I had to just drink uh liquidized. Or like thickened water, they call it. It's almost like a Jello.
0: Oh man, it's
1: disgusting. But um, yeah. But I think on my birthday, that might have been one of the first times I was allowed to like go out and eat food. But I was still only allowed to like eat pasta with butter. But I was like really excited
0: for that. Wow, I, man, I would be excited for that too if I hadn't eaten in months.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was crazy.
0: Eating good foods like one of the best things about at. That- it's just like one of the best things, period.
1: Yeah, I was like, I was so happy for that just pasta with butter. It was like crazy. Wow.
0: That's an interesting thing to think about. <laughs> yeah. So pumped for yeah. pasta butter. That's hilarious. Yeah. we'll go make some of that after this. I'm getting kind of hungry. <laughs> um, yeah, so I wanted to ask you about this too. Do you find that people treat you differently after having your head injury?
1: Um, I would say in ways sometimes, um, but not just like if I'm like hanging out, if I'm like having like a couple of drinks or something, people kind of like look out more. And then, um, if I'm snowboarding or skateboarding, I'd say people are definitely like keeping an eye on me and just like, I don't know, like like, if I'm snowboarding with Lenny, Lenny's like always making sure like I'm okay. Like if I fall, Lenny's like right there yeah just like make sure i'm all good
0: for sure i get that i can totally understand it um yeah
1: but i'd say that's like the biggest way i don't know, I get
0: chained, like treated differently kind of mm-hmm. i remember um like you posted a video of you skateboarding without a helmet and oh yeah like two hours later you deleted it and had a bunch of like apology posts and <laughs> yeah that yeah was like
1: that's not good on my part
0: yeah yeah i mean for sure at least you at least you know now
1: yeah
0: but um so what is your i know right now you're kind of looking at starting a helmet company kind of promoting that that type of awareness for how important it is to actually protect your brain um Um, is that uh yeah i'll let you just kind of talk about it a bit
1: yeah no um just trying to find the right manufacturers and stuff to make helmets. But I'm trying to make a
0: helmet company
1: called Dome Peace. And, um, just been like going over like different ideas. And, um, like for me, I never liked when I was like younger, I hated wearing like a big bulky, heavy helmet. So I'm trying to find a way to make it slimmer and like, just like not as bulky and just like
0: light. Cool. Yeah. Your mom was telling me that, um, there's been different times where you guys are out and about and you're looking at the helmets and you're kind of like really dissecting them and their characteristics and you're, you're holding up certain helmets and you're like, man, this is a shit helmet. Like this wouldn't do anything. And, um, I mean, it's a really cool thing that you're looking into doing because realistically that's like such a problem in snowboarding is the stigma against helmets, but that, that has a lot to do with the fact that all kind of helmet manufacturers are basically making these big, bulky helmets that they are kind of inconvenient in a certain way. Like, when you're really a freestyle rider and you want to kind of feel loose and comfortable so that you can kind of do what you're doing, having a big, bulky helmet that, like, floats on top of your head, so annoying.
1: So annoying, just so uncomfortable, and just... You want to take it, you just like want to take it off, so like, that's like, I always say that too, like, coming from Ontario, if you want to be in the park, you have to have a helmet on, but then once you move away, or go somewhere you don't need them, you just kind of, you drop and just like, forget about it.
0: Yeah, For, for sure, man, like, I mean, that's what I did, so I can't really deny that in any way and like even but it's a really it's a really interesting topic because i don't know how to describe this there are multiple different sections within snowboarding you know there's park rats who kind of are they're slope style people um that's not necessarily what a park rat is but there's like slope style people and it's kind of like a more it's almost more like traditional sports where it's a little more organized you're going in contests a lot you're hitting big jumps um, and as funny as it is going to sound to people who are out or really have not dove into the snowboard world or the snowboard scene, um, there's a certain way people dress on the slopes for that. And they just wear big coats, big helmets, you know, um, obviously they need helmets because they're hitting giant jumps, but then there's these other sides of snowboarding and there's like park rats, people who hit more street spots and people who grow up at like more like Ontario Hills where, it's more like little rail features everywhere, more little jibs than it is jumps. And that's kind of the, that culture in general outside of Ontario, it's like those people don't like wearing helmets. And if you were able to, just the fact that you're kind of a really well-known guy in the industry at this point, and you're working on creating cool helmets, it it would kind of, In my mind, this would put you at a place where it's a lot bigger than just a snowboarding thing. It would kind of, you could kind of be the face of promoting the fact that helmets are important, but not only just not just sitting there being like, this is safety, like, kind of like old fashioned about it. Like, put on your seatbelt, it's important. You could, you're actually taking a different approach where you're like, why don't we just make helmets better and different?
1: Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I want to do for sure. Like, yeah, like. What my mom was telling you, yeah, we were out the other day. I was actually just like looking at helmets, and I was like, This could probably give you a concussion. Like, this is really just like a hard piece of styrofoam with a little bit of plastic over it. Like, it's not going to do too much. It's so hard on the inside of the helmet. So, yeah, me is just basically thinking about ways to make it safe, but like, condense at the same time so it's not big and bulk and you don't want to take it off your head all the time mm-hmm.
0: yeah and you know what the thing is that's like what everyone is always secretly looking for in helmets and yeah myself included you kind of look at the bigger helmets and then you look at the little Protec ones that aren't really made to protect you in that way they're like they're almost like skateboard helmets like i don't know how to describe them they're really thin and then there's the really thick snowboard helmets and it'd be so perfect to just have something in between. Yeah, exactly. No. no.
1: For me right now, I think for the helmet thing, I'm like really hyped on the whole idea I had. I think if I can find a way to make that work with the to me it's a good idea, but just have to find a way to make it work.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's a really cool concept. I think that the other thing is that it's just something that a lot of people would get behind. It's not just you making helmets and trying to sell them. It's like a really something that could change the the biggest problem in those sports, which is people not wearing helmets. Literally yeah. the big, biggest problem in my mind.
1: Yeah, and it's like, even when like, I've talked before, it's like, when I talk with like Jamie and like the High Five Foundation, we did that thing with them. I had to do like a little talk with them and I was like, it's crazy because if I never had the injury I had, I probably, I probably still wouldn't be wearing a helmet, but it's, like, just because it happened to me and it was as bad as it, as it was, I just, like, think about it all the time, and it's like, it's, like, I was so dumb for not wearing a helmet, and I was so dumb to
0: snowboard after having, like, the concussion days before. hmm And you know what, though? Like, you can beat yourself up all you want, but... The actual education about brain injuries is not common knowledge. You know, you didn't you didn't understand the consequences of a serious brain injury and you probably didn't understand the consequences of continuing of hitting your head a second time while you have a concussion. And I literally can't say that I would do anything different. I've had a lot of concussions in my life. I've just I've never had a traumatic brain injury or I've never had any back to back but I could have easily just hit my head again, like, pretty shortly after. And it it's, like, very few people are aware of how fragile your brain can be at certain different times. Yeah, for sure. Like, I don't think that's your fault, really. No.
1: Um, I definitely don't know too much about it. But, like, just from myself going through it, I definitely know, like, a lot more about it now. Like, how serious serious it actually is
0: when it comes to snowboarding uh where are you at these days are you pretty much trying to get back into it to the same extent that you were before or are you kind of looking at it in a different way
1: um no I'm definitely trying to get back to like where I was and I think this year will be like a lot like last year um last winter I went to bear just being back on my board and like riding with everybody again I was definitely like timid and more cautious on my snowboard than I've than I've ever been for sure like everything I would do is like just like think like before I would never think about really so much everything that can go wrong but like just riding in the park at bear I was just like if I fall this way like this could go so wrong or like I don't know, I just, like, thought about it so much, about Mm -hmm. falling, but this year I'm going to try to kind of fully get back into it. Um, I'm going to go to, back to Bear and probably get my legs going there for early season, and then um, thinking about trying to put together, like, a little part um, this winter in the streets again.
0: Awesome, man. It's cool to see that you're able to get back to, to snowboarding that's awesome and I think the helmet thing is awesome too definitely if you can make that work I would say go for it because like snowboarding is awesome but that's just an initiative that's so much bigger than snowboarding you know and it will bring you so much value like so much bigger than just snowboarding and what you love to do right now so there's a lot of cool opportunities going on there for you yeah it's definitely a project that's going to take some time and work but I'm hyped
1: on it and like I've had people asking me about it. Like, I have kids from New York asking me like when they can get a helmet. And I was like, well, like how do they, like how do you even know about it or whatever. And I was like, well, I don't have any helmets right now. I have to find the right manufacturer. But
0: as soon as I get some made, I was like, I'll send some out your way. Yeah, man. You're positioned pretty well to pull that off. That's cool that they're already hitting you up about it. Yeah, for sure. When I got those
1: messages, I was definitely stoked.
0: It's those little things sometimes. Sometimes you kind of dip your toes in and then you get a little bit of reassurance and you're like, oh man, I have to do more of this. And that's kind yeah, of what, I mean, yeah, that's what obviously you got with that. That's kind of why I'm doing this podcast. It's still really just for me, but it's cool when you get that kind of thing for sure. When you get that kind of reaction. I think this is probably a good point to wrap it up. I mean, this is something, if we wanted to dive into specific Things about your experience. I'm sure we could talk for ages and ages, but it's a pretty crazy story, you know. Um, and it's interesting seeing it firsthand because obviously we were all super close. All the guys who grew up hanging out at Bowler. So, oh yeah. When you started doing a lot better with your snowboard career, it was really neat for all of us because. I feel like in a weird way, we all kind of felt like we're part of it, which is a hilarious thing to say, but... um... No,
1: you guys were for sure, because even just being there and then like, boarding with you guys here, and then even like, later like, going to like, Blue and stuff with you guys as well was like, fun, even like, filming street stuff.
0: Yeah, for sure, man. I feel like we all kind of cultivated and fed off each other for a long time. Oh yeah, for sure.